But tonight's subject comes from a conversation that I had at work around six months ago. Um, and I was discussing with, with, with a few colleagues, as you do, what we were going to be doing at the weekend. And I was going to be involved in, in our youth group. And then on the Sunday, I was presiding at our Breaking of Bread meeting. Um, whilst my colleagues knew that I was religious, I don't actually know how involved they actually knew that I was. Um, and so this meant that, that they were naturally asking a few questions. And the, the conversation was, was on Microsoft Teams because we're all having to work from home because of COVID-19. And I think COVID-19 has actually had a big impact on how people judge God from my experience. And well, well, worldwide suffering always brings on questions about God and, and how much that he actually cares about humans, doesn't it? But this time, one of my colleagues um, actually asked, what, what's the point in God? Um, and so I thought that it would actually be quite an interesting subject to look at for a public lecture, because I also remember back at school, you know, I had friends that would ask similar questions. Um, and I don't know how often you come here. I don't know what your Bible knowledge is. But the beauty of God is that that doesn't matter. God's message is still the same. What God wants from us is still the same. The purpose that God has for us and for the earth is still the same. And that's really beautiful. Um, and, and that's kind of what the point of God is, his plan and purpose. And um, before we establish a, a Christadelphian viewpoint on the question that we've come to tackle this evening, well, first of all, we have to discover what a Christadelphian is. Um, hopefully you can see the next slide of my, um, my PowerPoint. Uh, but the name Christadelphian comes from two Greek words and it means brethren in Christ. And it was adopted in, in the 1860s by a man named John Thomas. And a Christadelphian's aim is to live by faith in Jesus Christ, according to his teachings, which were passed on through his apostles. We believe that there's only one God, the father who made the world and has a great purpose for it. We believe that the Holy Spirit is God's own power by which he works out his holy will. We believe that Jesus is, is the son of God, but he's also the son of man through being born of Mary. We believe that Jesus lived a perfect life and overcame all temptation. We believe that Jesus died to, to save his followers from sin and death by defeating their power. And we believe that because of that, he was raised from the dead by God. He later ascended into heaven where he currently sits at God's right hand. And finally, we believe that repentance and baptism into Christ by full immersion in water plus the daily following of his example are all necessary for ultimate salvation. And so with that in mind, then, with that just just very short, basic um, platform to, for us to go off of, of what a Christadelphian is, what is the, the point in God then? And I hope that no one was offended when they first heard that this was the title of this evening's talk. Um, for me, this is a really interesting question. If you were to go out and ask, 10 random people on the street, what kind of answers do you think you'd get? Um, and I think I'd, I'd imagine that actually right now in 2021, that you wouldn't actually get many positive answers, that's for sure. As I said earlier on, whenever any kind of worldwide televised suffering happens, God seems to, to take the majority of the blame, doesn't he? And as, as, a, as a follower of God, I do find that fairly unfair. That being said, whilst the majority of people may use big events like, like COVID-19 to, to judge God in conversation, most will base their need of God from their own lives. Most will see if there is a point to God from their personal needs. And I've actually had this conversation about the point of God um, 
several times in my life. And each time, do you know what people say? What do I need God for? I've got all I ever want, all I ever need in life I've got. And anything that I do want, I can get for myself. Some people have all they want in, in, in their family, don't they? Some people have supercars or, or, or big houses. Some have technology and some just spend their days traveling through the planet that we live in. And for these people, they see no point in God. So what more can God offer them that they can't go out and get themselves? Well, the issue is with this, that, that God's plan, God's purpose doesn't change between different people. So we can't judge the point of, uh, of God on, on a personal level. We have to look at it from a worldwide point of view. We have to look at it for, for all of mankind. That doesn't mean that individuals aren't important to God. And it certainly doesn't mean that, that each individual can't benefit from, from, from offering themselves to God. But God's plan and purpose with this earth doesn't change between people. The point and purpose of God concerns the whole of humankind. So I'd like to spend a little bit of time just just taking a quick look at what the state of, of the earth and the state of mankind is is currently as we assess what, what, what the point of God is. And, and first of all, you know, where else could we start the illness? Because who would have thought in our lifetime that we would see the whole world shut down, trade stopped and shops closed with a law that states that we have to stay inside? It's been quite an eye opening um, two years, really, hasn't it, to see to see the world develop. And the current statistics show that almost four million people have died from COVID-19 throughout the world, with that figure expected to continue to rise. And we've seen the rise in, in, in mental health within that time caused by COVID-19 responses. The isolation, the job losses have had major effects on, haven't they, on, on, on our well-being. We then, of course, have so many countries in unrest throughout the world due to war, be those wars civil or, or overseas wars. The main one that, that, that's impacting the whole world right now is the, the, world, the civil war sorry, in Syria, caused by disagreements between the president there and his opposition. And this has had devastating effects, not just in terms of fatalities, but complete lives flipped around. It's believed that there's around a million people who have died during the conflict over the past 10 years, as we see images here on the screen of, of, of the sheer desolation caused to the cities of Syria. But these aren't always the images that we see in our media, are they? The, the impact upon the wider world from the Syrian civil war means that we're more likely to associate it with images of these. It's believed that around 5 million people have fled Syria and risked absolutely everything to get to countries that are at peace, to get somewhere that they can bring their children up without them being forced to, to join an army or forced of, or at risk of being murdered. The impact on these people is catastrophic. The living conditions are, are dire, aren't they? And then close at home, we've had plenty of civil disagreements in the UK, haven't we? We've had the unrest and the violence sparked by the, the death of George, George Floyd in the USA last year and the resulting Black Lives Matter marches, where we've seen clashes throughout the country leading last year to, to statues being torn down. And we see it constantly. There's always violence against the restrictions that are currently in place. We have seen police clashing with, with, with supposedly peaceful protests against masks, lockdown, and we've even seen some people arguing that, that COVID is a hoax and none of it's real. And then, of course, after looking at the living conditions abroad, we also have to think about the living conditions even here in the UK and the impact that, that finances have had. 
2020 was, of course, a, a challenging year financially for, for all of us, wasn't it? Towards the end of 2020, it was announced that UK national debt had for the first time topped two trillion pounds. That's an increase of, of around 500 billion pounds just in 2020. Naturally, that's putting a strain on, on UK households. And the statistics just, just aren't, aren't available yet for 2021. But at the end of 2020, the household debt was higher than the government debt. And whilst the government here, thankfully, have, have been very generous with their support packages for both individuals and whole sectors of the UK economy, job losses are still at an all-time high. And this could have devastating consequences. In 2019, take a guess in your head now how long it would take the average credit card debt to be paid off, making the minimum payment only. So imagine you, you're struggling to get by and, and you've got the average amount of credit card debt on your credit card. You're only able to make the minimum payment on that credit card and the interest just, just keeps being added. How long do you think that it would take to pay off that average credit card debt in the UK? 26 years and seven months. That is just not sustainable, isn't it? We, can, we cannot live in a world where the finances are so unevenly distributed. How is it that in a world where so many have so little, you can also have so few that have so much? Only in July of last year, during the height of the pandemic, during what was being touted as the start of a decade-long recession, one man increased his wealth to, to heights never before seen on Earth. The Jeff Bezos, who was the CEO of Amazon became the first person ever worth $200 billion. It doesn't seem very well distributed, does it? And the picture that we paint of, of this world is, is not a pretty one, is it? It's not one of equality. It's not one of peace or tranquility. And these things speak of, of a world that needs protection, a world that needs care, a world that needs hope. And that's where God comes in. You see, you might be thinking, how can God let all of this happen? How can God knowingly allow such things to happen? Well, how can we, how can we as humans allow these things to happen? I'm not going to speak tonight on about why God allows suffering this evening, but, but it, it's a brilliant question. And there's a, a really clear answer and explanation for that question. So if that's a question that you're currently asking yourself, then, then we're not going to answer it this evening, but please do get in touch if you'd like to know more about suffering and God. But ultimately, suffering came into the world because of man's disobedience. If you read through the first few chapters of your Bible, you'll see that Adam and Eve didn't follow a, a very simple command from God back in Genesis 2 and 3. And, and mankind has been cursed ever since by being by bearing sinful nature, which naturally leads to, to our eventual death. God, however, still has a plan. He still has a purpose. There is a point to God. And to understand what that point is, first of all, we have to understand how God speaks to us. Because there's a few things that I didn't mention whilst introducing the Christadelphians. But you may have noticed that next to, to, to each of the, the beliefs that we, that we put up on the screen at the start, that there was a Bible verse annotation next to it. And this is because we base our beliefs wholly on the Bible. And the reason for this is that we believe the Bible to be the true word of God. And we believe this because contained in it are several verses that, that tell us that. And I'd like to have a look at a few of those. We, we're going to have all the verses on the screen. But if you've got a Bible in front of you, then, then please do feel free to turn them up. And 
We're going to open our Bibles, first of all, to Paul's second letter to Timothy. And in Timothy, 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, we read all scripture. So that's the whole Bible from, from Genesis right through to Revelation. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So here we see that the Bible is claiming that every page within it is written by inspiration of God. And it can be used for, for, for many things, but ultimately it's passed on to us so that we can be perfected by it, so that we can be perfect in God's sight by applying the lessons found within the Bible. And we see in, in Romans 5 and verse 4 that it, we also read in the Bible, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. The Bible was written for our learning so that we can we can search it out so that we can seek out the message contained within it, because that message is one that contains hope and joy regarding God, God's plan and purpose with the earth. It was written by, by prophets and, and disciples that God chose. We learn that in Hebrews one that's on the screen where we read God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. So the Bible, God's word, holds the key to, to living a life that pleases him. But not just that, because it also contains prophecies that, that talk about the world, prophecies that were written over 2,000 years ago. Some have been fulfilled, some we can see today are being fulfilled, and some we believe will be fulfilled at some time in the future. And so for this reason, we as Christadelphians and, and Bible students, sadly, aren't surprised by, by the state of the world that we've looked at. But we're extremely encouraged by what the future holds. We are now more than ever absolutely sure that God is needed, that the future that God has in store for us is something that everyone should want to be a part of. And if you would, I'd like you to open your Bibles to that second letter from Paul to Timothy and the third chapter that was just up on the screen, because we're going to read a different passage from, from that chapter. It's only a small letter towards the back end of the New Testament, just before Hebrews. And here in, in these first few verses of 2 Timothy chapter 3, we have a description, a description from God through the Apostle Paul of the state of mankind in the last days, the days of the end. And we've looked, haven't we, at the state of the earth today, but, but what about mankind itself? And we read in the first five verses, 2 Timothy 3, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heedy, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. And these characteristics that, that, that Paul details here in, in 2 Timothy 3, that we have just read over, they're not godly characteristics, are they? They talk of, of today's time. It doesn't take long in our day-to-day -day lives to come across people that display these characteristics, does it? It's these that we're, we're exhorted in verse 5 to stay away from, to refrain from showing in our lives. 
And if you've got your Bibles open, please, please turn back with me to the Gospel of Matthew and the 24th chapter. We will have it up on the screen, but it's always good if you've got your Bible in front of you to, to, to get it open and, and to read it in front of you, whether it's on your lap, on a table or however. And we're going to read from verses four to, to, to eight of Matthew chapter 24. So verses four to eight of Matthew chapter 24. And Jesus answered and said unto them, take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ. And shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. But the end is not. For nation shall rise up against nation. And kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences. And earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginnings of sorrow. Now this sounds very similar doesn't it. To, to some of the things that we looked at. That are going on today in the earth. We see wars. We see political unrest, governments and armies flexing their muscles and displaying sh shows of power to one another. Now, the word pestilence here is talking of an illness or a plague type of illness. COVID-19 has, has taken the world by storm, hasn't it? With no warning at all, it's completely shut down countries. But here in the Bible, some 2000 years ago, this type of illness is prophesied. I'm not saying that COVID-19 is, is exactly in the Bible, but it's a plague. It's a type of flu which falls under this category of pestilences here in Matthew 24. And in Revelation 6 and verse 8, which is on the screen, we read, And I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was death, and hell followed with him. And power was given unto them unto, over the fourth part of the earth, to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. And here we see a, a prophecy of death by hunger, death by the beasts of the earth. Ask yourself how COVID-19 came about in humans. It was the eating of the beasts of the earth. I believe it, it was a bat that was eaten in China that allowed that virus to, to transfer onto humans. And so as Bible students, whilst we believe that this kind of thing is prophesied, whilst we believe that, that the wars and the political disagreements between certain nations are very exciting, we take no joy at all in seeing the, the suffering caused by it. We share the same sadness as everyone else when we see people suffering because of COVID-19 or any other illness. Seeing those displaced by wars, those killed during wars, does not fill us with joy. The personal circumstances which people find themselves in do not make us happy or excited. But the overall picture does. Seeing things written 2000 years ago come true is what makes us excited. This is what signifies to us the, the importance of God. It's what brings to light the need for God. And when we looked earlier on and said that, that some people ask, what do they need? And sickness will unfortunately get worse until very abruptly it will all stop. And we read on in, in Matthew 24, if, if, if you're there, and this time from verse 36 to, to verse 39. And there we read, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels in heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered in the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So also shall be the coming of the son of man. And so this brings us on to, to the second thing that I didn't mention when when talking of what Christadelphians believe, because we believe 
in the return to the earth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we believe that when he does return, he will judge the people of the earth and, and set up God's everlasting kingdom. And at that point, the true plan and purpose, the true point of God will be made manifest in the earth. We are baptised into the Lord Jesus Christ's name. And if we make, make it through that judgment period, we believe that we will have the opportunity to enter into his kingdom, to serve our God. And we often call this belief the hope of Israel, because it's at this time that Jerusalem will be the capital of the kingdom of God. And it's important to know how, how important this time was to the Lord Jesus Christ. Throughout his life, he performed miracles, told parables and, and did incredible things. However, one of the main aspects of his life was the fact that everywhere he went, he always wanted to preach the gospel or the good news of the kingdom of God. And we see that in Luke 4 and verse 43, which we have on the screen. And there it says, and he, that's Jesus, said unto them, I must preach the kingdom of God to other cities also, but therefore am I sent. And if you don't know anything about this kingdom of God that, that we talk about, then Tonight, what I plan to do is very briefly explain a bit about it, because it's a really beautiful hope that we have. And we're going to take a little look at why we hold that belief and, and what the kingdom of God will be like. So why do we believe in the kingdom of God? That's the first question we have to ask ourselves. Well, as we've said, all of our beliefs are based on what the Bible tells us. So sure enough, to explain this question, we're going to be looking within the Bible. And we're going to look at a few different verses and they'll all be up on the screen for you. And the first sets of verses that explain why we believe in the kingdom of God are on the screen now. And from Acts 1 and verse 10, we can read, and while they look steadfastly, and that's the, the, the apostles of Jesus, while they look steadfastly toward heaven, as Jesus went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him going there. And then again, from, from 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5, we read, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. And also just to, for context, we'll take one from the Old Testament in Isaiah 9. But unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So we see that throughout the Bible, in both the Old and the New Testament, there are prophecies and statements that tell us that the Lord Jesus Christ will return to this earth to judge the nations and then rule in righteousness in the kingdom of God. And there's, there's plenty of other verses to back up everything that I'm saying tonight. And if if, if you need more verses to, to be convinced, then please get in touch with me and I, I can happily provide some. And so we know that the kingdom of God is coming. But but the important part is what will that kingdom be like and, and why do we want it to come about so much? Because that will determine that the, the point, that will be the point when God's plan and purpose for the earth is made manifest. That's the point of God. And for that, once again, we have to go back into the word of God, to the Bible that we have in front of us. One of the main depictions of, of the kingdom of God can be found in the Old Testament, in, in the prophecy of Isaiah that we had read for us. So come with me there 
if you would, to Isaiah and chapter 35. We had that read, didn't we? And, and, and let's turn there just to read a few verses from it. And we're going to pick up in verse 3 of Isaiah chapter 35. And we read there, strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of heart, fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as an heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. And the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of dragons, where each lay shall be grass with reeds and rushes. And these are wonderful words of comfort, aren't they? I'm sure we can all think of someone that, 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 that's blind or deaf or, or lame and how wonderful it would be if they were no longer to be held by their disabilities, that they were no longer suffering. Well, this is what we have to look forward to in God's kingdom. This is the point of God. And we took a look earlier in the amount of wars that are happening lately. It seems that, that we're never too far away from violence, either, either locally within our community or, or internationally. But the Bible preaches of a time when that violence will be a distant memory. Again, we pick up a, two, a few verses that are on the screen and reading from Isaiah 2. And we read, and he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not lift up sword against Nathan. Neither shall they learn war anymore. And again from, from Zechariah 9 and verse 10. And I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the horse from Jerusalem. And the battle bow shall be cut off. And he shall speak peace unto the heathen. And his dominion shall be from sea even to sea. And from the river even to the ends of the earth. And finally in Isaiah 32. And the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. And that sounds so far away from, from the time that we looked at earlier on, that time of that, that, that Syrian civil war, the time of, of riots in our own country. That's how different the kingdom of God will be. We will be at peace. And we also spent time reminding ourselves of, of the pain and sorrow that sickness bring in the world today. But guess what? The, the Bible prophesies of a time when this shall be no more. And what a nice thought that these verses give us of that time. And we pick up the first one that's on the screen in Revelation 21 and verse 4. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And then in Isaiah 65 and verse 18 and 19 we read. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem, a rejoicing, and her people a joy. And I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. And the voice of weeping shall be no more heard in her, nor the voice of crying. And in Isaiah 33, verse 24, and the inhabitant shall not say, I am sick. The people that dwell therein shall be forgiven their iniquity. And again, that's very different to the time that we that we know that we see around us in the earth today, isn't it? 
And the wonders of this time that the Bible prophecies don't stop there, though. They don't stop with with a time of peace and, and a time of good health, because in Isaiah 11, we read about the nature of animals in the kingdom of God. And I'll just read from verse nine there on the screen. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the war, the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. There will be no animal attacks. In Ezekiel 36, we read about the fertility of the earth. And we read in verse 33, thus saith the Lord God, in the day that I shall have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities and the waste shall be builded and the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that pass by. And they shall say, this land was desolate, is become like the Garden of Eden. And the waste and desolate and ruined cities are become fenced and are inhabited. The kingdom of God truly sounds like a wonderful place, doesn't it? The wars, diseases, money troubles, and all the other problems that, that we see around us currently, there will be no more. God's true plan and purpose will be revealed. And all the verses that, that we've looked at this evening, the peace of the kingdom, the, the health of the kingdom, the animals, the fertility, the prosperity of the earth can be summarized in one saying. And that comes from Numbers 14 and verse 21 and that's where we find out God's plan and purpose with the earth right from the very start in creation and we read there but as truly as I live all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord and so this wonderful time is is coming to earth a time of peace a time of good health of a prosperous land a time where the whole earth will be filled with God's glory and that glory is talking of the people within his kingdom, manifesting or, or mirroring his character. What a wonderful prophecy that is. And this is why you'll, you'll hear so often that we pray for, for the peace of Jerusalem. It's not talking just about Jerusalem. It's talking about God's kingdom. We pray for God's kingdom to come to this earth so that we can all share a part in it. We pray for that time of peace, a time of good health, a time where we dwell in a, in a prosperous land with a glorious leader. We pray for a time where we can truly glorify God together. And so we've very briefly looked at what Christadelphians believe and who we are. We've looked at the state of the world today and compared that with the glorious time that, that God has in store for this earth in the future. And we've looked at the fact that the purpose of God is a time of peace, a time of prosperity and a time of hope. And we pray tonight that, that you'll be filled with encouragement about the beauty of, of believing in God. That you'll remember whenever the world feels full of darkness, whenever there's violence or illness, that God has a plan and purpose. That God has appointed a time when there will be no more suffering. And I pray, and we all pray, that you'll answer the call to be baptised, to offer your life as, as a living sacrifice, so that together as one spiritual family we may all come together to serve God in the everlasting kingdom that we've looked at this evening, a kingdom which will be worlds apart from, from the state of the world as we see it today, a kingdom which is coming very soon, right here on earth. And that's the point of God, a hope for a better future, a hope for a time when the whole earth will be at peace. And I pray that we will all share a part in it.